Welcome to the Coffee with Jeff and Jason podcast. Tune in for freshly brewed discussion on everything you need to know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your hosts, Jeff Tessier and Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? This is Jason Harris, and I got Jeff Tessier with me. Thank you for joining us, and I also have the one and only the Austin. Um, thank you for joining us for an episode of Coffee with Jeff and Jason. Uh, don't worry, Austin. One of these days, we're going to figure out the actual naming convention in any of these. I didn't. I, you know what? You you messed up the exit of the last podcast. I messed up the intro to the last podcast. So whatever. Um, <laughs> But we'll hey, for taking the time <laughs> to uh, jam with us, and I am super excited about uh, today's topics. We've got a handful of stuff to kind of go over. Uh, this particular podcast is just kind of our top, our time to be able to talk about anything and everything we want to talk about. You know, when it comes to just uh, automotive industry. So let's let's get into it because we do have a few things we want to jam about today. Austin, what do you got for us today? <laughs> Uh, let's talk a little bit about the in-dealership experience today. I feel like a lot of talk in the industry lately has been about online and everything, rightfully so. There's so much happening in the online space, in your online dealership, your website. And so let's get a little bit back to the roots with talking about dealership design, layout, and sort of some interesting ways to improve the experience of the in dealership experience um so is there sort of a type of like what's the modern design layout that you would you would think for a dealership that creates a good experience for the uh consumers well this is a fun topic i like this one right because my brain can go a lot of different ways i, I was recently recently watching a post I think it was a dealership in New Jersey and they won the Ferrari dealership of the year award. Right. And I didn't know Ferrari gave out awards like this, but it made sense. All right. Uh, that they give an award for the best looking dealership. You know, of course that piqued my interest. I want to go look at what does that look like? <laughs> what does that look like? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you put a Ferrari in any room. I'm pretty confident the room's going to look pretty cool. All right. But I want to know what the best looking all right. Uh, and, you know, it had a very hotel lobby lounge, you know, kind of vibe and feel about it. And, you know, um, I think, you know, there's an opportunity and you do see new manufacturers or not new manufacturers. Sorry, you get see manufacturers, you know, looking at the way they redesign uh, their dealerships to be more of a brand experience than necessarily a sales experience here's the thing you know here's the thing no one's looking for a sales experience anymore no one because no one wants to be sold anything right like the, the 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 actual let's call it sales process in my head is dead you know it's gone it's over you know i think covid was the the final nail in that bloody coffin right <laughs> and, and and the expectation of the consumer today is a buying process not a sales process and, you know, I, I think not only do we have to look at our people, our processes and our technologies on how we support that buying process, but now because COVID put that nail in the coffin, 
what is that? What, how does that change my physical dealership? You know, because, you know, I like, I mean, Jeff, let's admit it. Like dealerships, a lot of dealerships, I mean, you know, they haven't gone through a major remodel or an uplift in a while. And it's like you walk in and you know that it's built for a sales process. You know, I mean, you know, you have the showroom right next to the cars is just a gigantic row of salespeople's desk, yeah. you know, and it's just like, okay, it is pretty clear, right? What the process is here. I'm going to sit down at this desk and I'm going to be sold something. And I think what you're looking at now and, and, and I'm, and I, you know, it's funny is, you know, I actually did this. I mean, Jeff, you actually remember when we did this at our mid store, Mitsubishi almost flipped out on us on it and almost yeah. made, like change it back because I got rid of all the desk. I get rid of all the desk, right? And I changed all the desks into these round Ikea kitchen tables. And I said, no, people will not sit across from each other anymore. All right. People are going to sit side by side with each other. And, you know, I put the big TV screen up on the wall and connected it to a computer. And, you know, we didn't fill out a piece of paper and walk into a mysterious, you know, manager's room and, you know, be back there for five minutes and come out with some chicken scratch saying, this is the best deal you can get. And we, we built the price right there in the showroom on the screen at the kitchen table in front of the customer. It was a buying process, not a sales process, you know, and Jeff, me and you were doing that years ago. Now it's actually, it's, it's fun. It's fun. I actually love it. All right, to see how some manufacturers are now embracing, all right, that model and how now some of the dealerships in their remodeling structure and design is accounting for that now. They're accounting for that. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny. When I went, here's the thing. So I went online and I went and looked at this, you know, the number one Ferrari dealership, you know, couldn't find a bloody picture of an office. <laughs> couldn't find one. Couldn't, couldn't find a salesperson's desk anywhere in any one of those pictures. I'm not saying that they don't exist. I'm just saying I couldn't find them, right? You know, that's that's not the first impression when I walk into the business. That is not what I saw. Hmm. I don't know. People are going to say, well, that's Ferrari, Jason. <laughs> it's not true anymore. You know, I'm seeing this happen more and more and more at the manufacturer level, even them committing to that, you know. I uh, <laughs> looking at getting an, another big SUV, right? So the Nissan Armada, it's got to go. Even though the service department, I service my Nissan Armada, does not want me to get rid of it because they love my Nissan Armada. You know, the rear suspension shot again. The DVD player is not working. My wife's called me the other day saying the heated seats not where I'm. She's all mine. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I started shopping for it. So I, uh, Jeff, I went into. Um, a uh, CDJR um, dealership, a Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. <laughs> Again, I got to watch my acronyms. All right. And uh, it was it was one of those stores that had one of those kind of like divided Jeep only, like okay. showrooms. It was cool. You know, I was looking at the Jeep Wagoneer, right? Cool. The Grand Wagoneer. I don't know. It's just something about an idea of owning an SUV with like a six liter, 6.4 liter V8 just... Because I also have an electric vehicle. <laughs> I, am like, I am not. Like, You're balanced, right? One's, one's a gas-guzzling pig, and the other one's, well, you know, environmentally sound. <laughs> I'm going to balance out. I'm going to balance out both sides of this, right? Like, <laughs> anyways, anyways, I digress. But the showroom, it was clear. It was an inviting place to come down, sit down, and have a conversation 
um, not to uh, not to sit down at a desk and be sold something. But I don't know, Jeff. What are your thoughts, man? Because we and you did this pretty early, right? You remember that? Yeah, I, I think it was were probably. You were, were you my Mitsubishi rep at that time, or did you? Did we I already? Think I was it? just. Uh, yeah, when you first introduced it, I was, and then uh, we had implemented it in your store there, and then uh, as well as in the one that we had together. So. You know, obviously, I think it may, we may have been a little bit ahead of the time there. But if you look now, yeah, manufacturers letter, been, remember, we, remember, we got a letter from Mitsubishi saying that we're going to get in trouble for doing this. Anyways, go ahead. Tell the story. So, you know, they've all moved towards the, well, maybe not all, but most of them have moved to an advance where, you know, they're, they're looking at tablets yes. for, for salespeople to work off of so that it's, you know, information that the customer you know, if there's a question, they can refer to it. Even Mitsubishi was right yeah. shortly around that time. But really, it's moved to that idea of where I think there was even a study done where the a dealer in the U.S. put a kiosk in and they actually sure. sold more cars through the kiosk. Right. Ultimately, in my opinion, if you've got a consumer that's going through and choosing their own tasks like we did when we were doing it. Right. Yes. Oh, how much is that winter wheel package? Oh, it's only twelve hundred bucks. Okay, how much is the hitch? It's uh, fifteen hundred bucks. How much is this? They've now chosen and selected those items, and so they've already made their commitment because mentally, they're prepared for that. But if we go back to the old method of a four square, where we're trying to hit them up with a number, what's your payment going to be that you're comfortable with? Three hundred bucks, and trying to squeeze a car that we know is not going to fit into three hundred bucks, and we're going to come out and tell them it's four fifty and try to close the gap from four fifty to three hundred. That's a bit tough. <laughs> no, but if the customer has chosen those things, he's already committed. Doesn't mean for sure he's going to take it, but now he knows why he got to five hundred or five fifty. And he's going, I really want that. So he wasn't being sold a payment and then on top of, top of, top of, and then thrown into a sweat box for F&I, right? <laughs> so to me, I mean, even think back when you would go to like, uh, what was that company called when we were younger, Jason? If you, Well, you might not have been around here then. I don't know. Consumers <laughs> Distributing. Do you remember that? No, that was a Canadian thing. Canadian thing. I know. But you would go there and it wasn't like a traditional store. You would, and this is going back like 35 years, guys. But, you know, you would go to this store, you would get magazines, books at home, but you would go to the store and you would do all your own selections and walk up with an order form, piece of paper, and hand it to the cashier. There was no selling going on there. It was you selling yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's the same, I think it's the same kind of thing today that we need to focus on. We create that environment, whether it be in the sales side or the service side, where the customer has the control of what they want to do, and we're there to help answer their questions and guide them along the process exactly. so that they're you know, not making choices where they feel like they don't know what they're doing because then they're going to be questioning that. But if we're there to support them along that journey, that customer is going to purchase way more things, be happier. And 100%. look at Tesla there. That's how they're doing it. Right. You can't even. <laughs> well, but, but the funny thing is people say, okay, so I love when they say, look at Tesla. Right. But this is not a new model. No, it's been around forever. That's why the way I sold cars, you know, and one of the reasons I probably fought with my managers, right? Like I didn't sell cars the way that they wanted me to sell cars. Right. I took a very consultive approach to selling a you know, um, I wanted to, you know, and, and, and I got in a lot of trouble. I got 
I got in trouble for it, right? You know, I, I did weird things and I let people kind of, you know, build and choose their own deals. You know, I think Austin, I remember you posting something recently that, uh, you know, I remember, you know, I, I let people, you know, pick their thank you, you know, gifts and I would shove them into deals. I mean, I did, I delivered cars with snowboards and bicycles and GoPros and, and cell phones. Like, I mean, like, I just, I, there's something to say about facilitating a process versus versus forcing someone through a process. Edging them into a payment, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, and and um, I think there are a lot of smart dealerships and a lot of smart salespeople that, that have been doing this for years. It's not a new model, but now what it's come to the point is that it's become consumer expectation. That's why I've gotten excited, right? It's not that it's you know um, it's a good idea. All right. It's, it, you know, when Jeff, when me and you did it, it was a good idea. That's what yeah. it was, right? It was a good idea. And we proved it, right? I mean, there were several months that we were the most profitable or uh, the highest grossing Mitsubishi dealership in the country, right? And the funny thing is, we never built the payment. The consumer built the payment. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I think consumers really adapted to it as well, right? I mean, it's not like, they were like, oh, I don't know what to do. I mean, it's simple. You got a mouse, you can point it and click a screen and select a few things. It's not that complicated, right? <laughs> so they felt more involved and they weren't being sold. They were actually given the choices of what they wanted, right? There was ownership. There was ownership to that. And I think what it is is when we force someone into an through a process, it's our process. We own the process, right? When you let the... Now, I'm not saying that you let the consumer dictate the process, right? You, you, give no, you put in the controls and measures that of the expected outcome. Don't get me wrong. Cause you, we had all that control. You would yes. set up the rebates, the pricing, all the different things that would be available. We're all controlled at the top level, right? They were just available to be selected when they were applicable. Yeah. I mean, we, 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 we created a bigger box for people to kind of work within you know, and uh, kind of decide, you know, look, the the end result was the same no matter what, but there might have been six different paths to get there. Now, we've already mapped out all six paths. You know, it was just a matter of them choosing which one of it. So then it kind of goes down to, was it really more the perception that they had the choice or was it the actual choice? I still think it's the actual choice, you know, because um, we didn't have a problem sitting there doing three hours of negotiating if that is the path that they chose to do. You know, we'd rather not go down that path. But if they wanted to, we were more than well, more well, more than more than prepared uh, to do that path. But I said, look, I know Austin. Your original question was, you know, what should you know this this in dealership, you know, look like this experience? This you know, um, and I think that's what it is, is. Is it's we have to accept the fact now. All right, that you know the. Consume. It's not just a good idea to have a buying process versus a sales process. All right, it's now the consumer's expectation that you have buying processes, not a sales process. And I say, and I say that in plural because you know there should be three, a minimum of three different ways I could buy from you. Right? Don't 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 force me into one of your ways. Give give me options. Right? And then let me decide what is correct from a pr perspective of both convenience and money right 
Like, honestly, I would spend a little bit more if I don't have to come into the dealership and sit around for four and a half hours. <laughs> like, I will. It would just, my time is worth that, that I would just rather, you know, pay an extra of five or 600 bucks on something that I will never remember. I, I paid five or $600 on if I can eliminate that, but that's just me personally. But there, anyways, it's a buying process, not a sales process. Commit to it. What else you got for us? And so, you know how most consumers are doing a lot of their uh, shopping online in terms of uh, they're picking the vehicle that they want before they enter the dealership. So by the time they're entering your dealership, they are they already know what they want they already know what vehicle they want and they're they're there to to buy essentially so how does that change sort of how you should lay your dealership out to facilitate that sort of new mindset well i i think um like anything there needs to be a place to be a consultant right um still today the stats are still relatively high all right well over 60 percent of people come in with the intention to buy something and end up buying something else and that's not because we convinced them it could just be a budget thing it could have been a feature thing it could have been an availability thing you know there's a whole lot of factors right uh that kind of come into it and that's why i think you know when someone comes in they come in with the intent to purchase so don't get in the way of that (laughs) you know um give them you know a few different ways to buy but the first thing i think you have to do is you you have to consult with them a little bit you know break down what they're purchasing why they're purchasing it that's you know and then also reviews things like availability you know review things and maybe there are other packages that they weren't aware of right and it's just it's but it's it's not selling it's informing does that make sense Right. Like I'm not trying to sell them a different vehicle I have in stock as much as I'm just trying to inform them that what they're looking for might take a few weeks. But what I have is a blue one, not a brown one. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out what's best for them, not what's best for you. Like you're trying to figure out what what vehicle suits their needs, not trying to sell them on what's going to make you the most profit. 100%. 100%. Like there, there are consultants out there that consult for the benefit of themselves. And then there are consultants that do consult with the with the intent to serve their client. Right? Uh, now, I've, I've always taken on, you know, the idea that, you know, the, the better I serve my client, it, the better it serves my needs. You know, um, but that's not always the case. You know, like I said, I spent the last three, four, three years now being a consultant. And, you know, working with other consultants on other projects, I am surprised to find out. And well, I may be not surprised, but but there's a lot of consultants out there that are designed their, their, their consulting efforts around just simply staying in the cycle of consulting with them. <laughs> not with, you know. Like, <laughs> so, yes, I think it all has to do with intent to the approach, not just the approach. The approach is the same, but the intent behind it changes the outcome. And I think, like you said earlier, with the whole layout, like I think it's it's well known that dealerships, what do they say? It's, it's like going to the dentist or like going to the doctor's office. Like it's a stuffy, uncomfortable feeling. And like uh-huh. what you're saying, where you want to make it more like a hotel with like couches and TVs and sort of that more relaxed environment. I think that helps 
combat that stuffy atmosphere? Well, look, I think, look, it needs to be a conversation. Here's the one thing that our industry uh, doesn't do a good enough job on. You know, now there are some great operators that do do this, but the emphasis on conversation generation, like, like, is your physical space a inviting place to have a conversation? And this could be everything from uh, how loud it is uh, to temperature to um, the furniture to the colors to just, I mean, everything, right? Like, is it an inviting place to sit down and actually have a conversation with another person? You know, um, there was a big movement years ago. I want to say it probably started early 2000s where certain manufacturers started to encourage dealerships to put coffee shops inside their dealerships. Remember Nissan? Nissan did that. Nissan Cafe or something like that. I think that's Cafe, yeah. I think that's fully abandoned. I don't even know if there's no. There might be. There, might, I'm sure there probably still is some out there floating around, right? But that that was actually a, a recommendation. You should open up a coffee shop inside your car dealership. I thought it's ingenious. I was like, this is absolutely because like, where else is a you know when you picture having conversations where with people. You know, where one of those places that you would most commonly have a conversation with someone outside of a pub, which I guess you can't do, is a coffee shop. <laughs> no. Did you do a pub? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Certain car parts of the world, yeah. <laughs> but it's funny. It's not just us as a vertical. I mean, I think there are other examples out there of 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 businesses intentionally designing spaces for the purpose of conversation. You know, um, I, okay. I, I know this is a weird one, but um, I have this haircut place. That's not mine. It's for my kids. <laughs> I don't have any much air up there to cut. Right. <laughs> but it's a barber and bourbon shop. Right. And I will tell you, you know, there's only three chairs over where the barbers work. But there are 25 chairs on the other side of the building where they serve bourbon. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, it's, you know, you walk in there and you just sit there and just people watch. And it is a place for conversation, you know, uh, both before the haircut, during the haircut and after the haircut, you know. And, you know, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of, I mean, look, it was. Starbucks, I think, created the whole concept, you know, of encouraging people to come at, or not they didn't create the concept, but they they embraced it, right? You know, coffee shops have always embraced, you know, a, a place to come down and have a conversation with someone over a cup of coffee. You know, there, you know, there are some coffee shops that did not embrace it. And I don't think they were nearly as success, successful as the ones that did. So but like if you walked into a dealership and there's a guy sitting at his desk and he's maybe hasn't been with somebody for a while. So he's kind of on his phone or he's sitting back, relaxing, staring off. He's, playing, he's, playing, solitaire. he's playing solitaire. On his yeah. Whatever. Right. Minesweeper. I don't know. God only knows what, right. How inviting is that really? Like you walk into a big box store like Best Buy or something like that. They got no desks there, maybe in the back somewhere, but not on the floor. It's all showcased. You can go play and touch things. And the moment you walk in, somebody's interacting with you. They claim they're not commissioned, but I, you know, backwards they probably are. 
but it's answering questions and being that consulting and informative like we were talking about right 100%. so the consumer they're used to that they don't want to walk in and sit across from a desk and go i don't want to talk to you because i don't want to share my information with you you're going to you're going to try and sell me but if i was able to sit down and, and enjoy a conversation and, and be more com- comfortable it doesn't have to exactly be side by each or whatever that's what's going to drive the conversation that's going to get you the information that you need to be able to assist the consumer now how you deal with that is a whole nother ball of wax but you need to make sure like we've talked about having the intent to serve the customer imagine if your sale uh, you know your sales agent for house purchasing decided that she wasn't going to listen to what you had that you wanted to as a list and just only show you this dump because she's making the most commission on that dump. You know, you're, you're 100% you're right. You're not going to get very far in life. No, no. I mean, and, and you think about it, like any big purchase that I've made, and I think any other consumer has made, right? There's been considerable amount of conversation prior to the purchase. Yep. And it's just like, I don't know, because we had a sales process, we just wanted to kind of bypass through that and get you out the door. Not really, but you know, I I don't know. I think there's there, there's a lot to be said there. I can't, I you know, to your point because you brought up houses. It's a good point. I mean, how much, how much conversation did I have, you know, uh, prior to you know, you know prior to purchasing my house? How much conversation did I had prior to purchasing my RV? You know, a whole hell of a lot of conversation you know, about before you know before that purchase was made. Um, you know, there was another <laughs> something I was thinking about. It was few months back i was in florida and uh visiting a handful of clients and i i visited a, a cdjr store and um they had i don't know some new 2500 you know it was like the newest one with some different interior so so like i went to go open the door it was locked in fact we started that was weird and then just as i was walking around the showroom waiting for the gm to come out you know i was like i realized all of the doors were locked inside the showroom. Wow. And, and I was like, ah, that's odd. Like, I'm wondering maybe if they've been having problems and people doing stupid stuff or something like that. So I asked, I had to ask. <laughs> he goes, he goes, oh, no, no, no. We've been doing that for years. And I said, well, I'm just curious, why? Well, it just, you know, it, it makes the customer come ask us a question. What? <laughs> so, I mean, think about this. Think about if Best Buy did this, right? Just, just everything's just, locked behind a cabinet. You can't touch it until you get somebody to help you. <laughs> exactly, right? Uh, that would drive me nuts. Would you ever go? I mean, ultimately, you just end up finding a different place to do business with, right? And I, I, I think it's a possibility that this process had been going on at this dealership so long that people forgot why they even started it, right? Um, but just talk about just a perfect example of just a horrible horrible experience i mean let's just let's kick it off with a really bad experience i'm gonna lock all these doors and only unlock them when you come and ask me a question <laughs> anyways anyways i digress uh guys look we're getting towards the uh tail end of this conversation um i hope you guys enjoyed our chat today we're talking about the in dealership the in dealership experience and you know how that should be crafted out um Hope I don't get too ridiculed for saying, but I do believe that the the sales process is dead. All right, uh, the last few years literally nailed the last handful of nails into that coffin, 
and uh, it should never arise again. All right, we are in the era of a buying process. I think a buying process actually supports the goals and objectives and profitability of a dealership far beyond the sales process ever did. And I also think it supports the customer's goals and objectives. Um, so if, if you're a dealership out there and you are still participating in a sales process, I think you need to think long and hard about your future in the, in, in the industry, <laughs> because that will work for now, but it's going to come a time, like as the consumers change, it's no longer a, the buying process, no longer a good idea, right? Is a customer expectation. And if you don't meet your customer's expectations, it's only going to be a matter of time. Anyways, hey, if you guys enjoy this content and you'd like to listen to more or find out what's going on, uh, definitely check out strategywithjason.com. Thank you so much for taking the time to jam with us today. This has been a lot of fun. Take care. See you. Thanks for tuning in to the Coffee with Jeff and Jason podcast with your hosts, Jeff Tessier and Jason Harris. Don't want to miss out on new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.